A rising tide will raise all boats But if you throw stones, nobody floats Negativity breeds nothing but ills That's why I paint the perfect picture with the team that I build Different people It's fun though It's always fun, no matter what It's fun Hey, times fun. change But Jiu-Jitsu doesn't I can't do fucking Bally's or LA Fitness or any of that shit Like I just rather I rather go to jujitsu. Sometimes I come here and I can't move my neck or can't move an arm or but it's, it's, it. it's worth yeah. You have something functional it's that will it. that you can take in the real world. Like you're not just yeah. going to work out and get big show muscles for what? Yeah. Like, I, I just think it's not boring. There's a competitive thing to it and then like today I'll roll against you and then, you know, five minutes later I roll against someone else and five minutes later I roll against someone else. So mm -hmm. it's it's a constant dynamic changing environment. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's physically and mentally challenging at the same time. So mm -hmm. I, almost for me, it's like you don't pay attention to the physical part because you're doing so much thinking that by the time you get through it, you've been there for an hour and a half, two hours, and you put the work in, you know? Yeah, exactly. It just kind of, time kind of just goes, you know? Yeah, you don't yeah. really think about it too much. Yeah. Next thing, you're just covered in sweat. Yeah. But, yeah, like you are saying, like, all the different people that you roll with, you're going to learn something different from. Like, you learn something about yourself. You learn something about different strategies from different people. Man, and not just that. Like, jujitsu has opened up my life to to other things. Mm -hmm. For example, um, I'm a Joe Rogan fan, but I think everybody that does jujitsu is a Joe Rogan. Yeah, fan, pretty much. Honest. Yeah. Uh, so I don't watch all of his podcasts because mm -hmm. I don't have a t I don't have time. But I listen to like a lot of the clips and a lot of the right. highlights and a lot of the. And then being a jujitsu fanatic and listening to rogan then you get guys like you know you get brendan schaub on there um uh, eddie uh, the guy from 10th planet what the hell's his eddie last bravo. name eddie bravo mm -hmm. but then he also takes like neil degrasse tyson on there right. and so it's been able to it's opened up my mind to to a lot of other things because he's so neutral and can handle the conversation without ever really saying like all right this is my pinpoint point of view you know he's yeah. not like that so i jujitsu jujitsu is good man jujitsu yeah. opens you up for a lot it of other things yeah and that's that's part of the reason why i wanted to like do this like this whole interview thing um not just with you but like you know you i feel like you learn so much about yourself and you open up your mind whenever you talk to someone new I think so or too. even to people you've you've known for a while like you can always learn something new so like i i get satisfaction of learning new things from new, uh, oh. different people, the same people. Especially in an environment like this, like, we go to the gym to do jujitsu. Yeah. But then here we can talk about other things. We can actually have a real conversation. Yeah. That's, that's not based around jujitsu. That's not just based around jujitsu. Yeah. So, Alex, let's go ahead and start on live. Oh, you're in live. We're already live. <laughs> All right. Thank you. You're doing live. <laughs> All right. Too we're going live. Too live. So, hello, Digital World. Just to introduce you, this is my boy, Kev. Kev, go ahead and give everybody a little bit of uh, of synopsis of what you're trying to do. And then let's just go ahead and jump into it, man, and let's get it going. Awesome. So, uh, my name is Kevin, and um, basically, my whole goal with this is just to um, learn about different people, learn about their professions in, in particular. And, um, you know, I've known Tommaso of what? When did you start Jiu-Jitsu? Uh going on six years ago already. Okay. So, so six years. I've known him for six years and I've seen his business. I've always wanted to like, you know, know more about it and more more about you per se. Um, so that's kind of the main goal of this um, 
this podcast and YouTube show. Um, as of now, I don't really have a name for it, so we're just going to go with the Untitled uh, Interview sh- uh, Show. I, I actually like that. The but, Untitled uh, Interview Show. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and this is going to be on YouTube. He does have a YouTube channel. Um, we'll post the links up as soon as we post our um, our edited video up. Awesome. So, yeah, right. so that's, I mean, that's kind of the main goal, and, you know, we'll just kind of get started. Let's kill it. Shoot. So, tell me about Printer's Cove. Like, like how long did you start? Like, what got um, you started? All right, so uh, Printer's Cove was opened uh, March 1st, 2004. Um, I, I've always have had an entrepreneurial uh, mindset. I've never been able to work for somebody else. If you talk to my wife, I held jobs for six months at a time. It's just, it wasn't something for me. I don't fit well inside of a four-walled structured system with nothing but rules and regulations. And, and, and just corporate America just has too much red tape and too much shit to cut through. Um, three years before I opened my place up, I landed at a place called Rose Poster. And the owner there was a hard ass. I'm talking about <laughs> this guy was, he'd walk down and ev- he'd walk down the hallways of this place and everybody was like in fear. Oh. Um, I saw something different, man. I saw a guy who had 45 people underneath him and was cool as a cucumber. You know, that guy never, I, I'm not saying I never heard him raise his voice, but he never came in in a rush. He was always paceful when he walked. He always spoke to you in a very calm demeanor. Uh, part of the fear that people had of him was because they didn't know what was going to come from him if something went wrong. Um, and then I find out he had three other printing companies. So he'd send me out to these three other printing companies to help out with color issues and stuff like that. Um, and that's when I like really, really started looking at at the possibilities of maybe working for myself. You know, I didn't need something so big. Um, Unfortunately, the timing sucked. The guy passed away, um, I want to say, I think it was November of 2003. My son Dominic was born February 1st of 2004. Um, I didn't like the way the company was going with the new new owners. Mm-hmm. So I decided a month after my last son was born to just say fuck it. I pulled out a big loan on my house and what you see is what you get. We started 15 years ago. Um, it wasn't easy at all. The first piece of equipment we got was dropped off a truck and damaged and we had paid for it in cash. It took wow. me three years to get the $56,000 back from that. Um, which we only got like 35 grand out of because we had to pay lawyer fees and and everything. I had a very good friend of mine that worked at that time for Cytex Vision, which is a big company out of Israel, and they were developing a new piece of equipment. We ran into each other on a show, and the guy tells me, look, the, the machine's 100 grand. Um, if you give me 20, I'll finance the rest, 0% interest. I, we know you're good for it. And if it wasn't for... Those gentlemen, I don't think I'd be sitting here today. Uh, so shout out to Moshe Shlomi, and thank you very much, my friend. I love you. Um. <laughs> so what, um, I mean, so was printing something you always like to do? Like you have an artistic side. I was. I do have an artistic side. I was, um, 
I was. Uh, come on in, my man. It's okay. Give me just a second, Kevin. Sure, you're good. What's up, Jeff? I got two boxes for you. Okay, not a problem. Okay, it's fine. So, um, so I got out of uh, I got out of high school wanting to be an artist. I used to draw, paint, sculpt, hands hands on artist. I graduated high school in 1995, really, when desktop publishing really took off. Um, there wasn't a lot of money in art. So I kind of figured, I'm going to go into architecture. I went to college for architecture, and I'm not a college guy. I think I, was, I went to college for three semesters. It's just not for me. It's not for everybody. It's not. It's not. I had a very short stand in the U.S. military between college and, um, and high school. Mm-hmm. Extremely short. I got out of boot camp. I was in for six months. Uh, I ended up. It's a long story. It'll be another story for another video. Another podcast, I gotta keep yeah. you guys waiting. You know. Um, uh, so I, I have my. Um, I have a less than honorable discharge from the United States Army, which came. I'd say probably. I want to say January of 1996. It's January, January of 1996. Uh, then I moved back to Miami. Like I said, went to college for three semesters. Didn't like it. Got a job at a printing company and immediately, immediately fell in love with it. Oh, I, awesome. I really do what I love. That's I'm awesome. One of, the, one of the one of the <laughs> one of the few lucky few, ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what would you say are like some of the the roadblocks um, that you've encountered, and how have you like overcome them throughout the, um, the years? The I, I'd say the biggest issue of having your own business is realizing that you're the last guy that gets paid and that's that's extremely 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 important um everybody or most people open a business and the way they look at it is the business belongs to me the money belongs to me but the business is its own entity you're just another employee you know if you don't produce money you're useless. Just like if you had an employee that didn't produce anything, that employee is useless. So it's its own entity. It's its own machine. It eats up a million percent of your time. And sometimes there's no, and I'm talking about no ROI, zero. For the first 18 months I was in business, my wife paid every bill and she maintained me for the first 18 months. I love you, sweetheart. (laughs) Um... (laughs) In 2008, when the economy fell, and 75% of our business was construction, um, I got to the point where I almost had to shut down. Uh, We had to restructure some of the things we do. Once again, for about a year, my wife's salary took care of the bills at the house, and she worked like an animal to help support everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So that just shows... You have to. It's it's, a good support system. it's, It's... it's important to have a support system. Um, if you're not married and you don't have kids, it makes it easier because you don't have as many people depending on you. But if you are married and you do have kids, it's not a one-man show, man. Uh, I take a lot of the credit. I'm the face of the company. People see me, but it's not just me. Um, my my wife has done so much. Like I couldn't even. I couldn't even explain to you where it began. And, and we don't even, never even thought about it. Like, it just, it needs to get done. It needs to get done. That's um, awesome. 
Alex does such a great job. I mean, it's having him here these last four years. It's like it's it's been like cloning myself and being able to be somewhere else doing something or being able to walk away from it and not have to worry. Um, I did have a partner before, and our partnership worked out great until he got to the point where he just didn't want to do this anymore, and um, and went on his way. But it, it's it's a lot more difficult than what it looks like from the outside. So what, what kind of advice would you give to someone that's thinking about getting into business for themselves? Um, you know, because a lot of people want to, but they just don't know how or even where to start. Uh, all right. So I think it's easier to get into business for yourself nowadays than it is. These days, I, yeah, I agree. Uh, a million times easier. For sure. The amount of information we have at hand on our cell phone is just ridiculous. Uh, things that I didn't have when I first started. I made a lot of accounting mistakes at the beginning. Um, and now my math is great. I'm actually mm -hmm. a, a natural at math. But you can't know what you don't know. Exactly. So yeah. I, I had to learn it the hard way. So my biggest advice for somebody that wants to open a business is um, really analyze the business you're opening. Mm -hmm. And I know this is hard to say, but think of it as a long-term commitment and not a short-term investment. If you're looking for the short-term, you're going to lose <laughs> every time. The short-term is great for short-term hustles. That's why it's called a short-term <laughs> hustle. Exactly. It's not great for the long-term. Yeah. Um, so analyze the business. Make sure that's what you like to do because if you don't like to do it, it's not going to work out. It's just not. Yeah. My brother had a courier company and he decided to go a different way because it just wasn't what he wanted to do. And it could have been lucrative, but he wasn't happy doing it. If you're not happy doing it, you can't put 20 hours in that day. Exactly. I think or maybe you can the first day, right? But you can't the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth. You can't. We pulled a sixteen-hour day. We pulled three sixteen-hour days in a row. I don't feel them. I don't feel them because I'm happy. Those endorphins help out a lot. <laughs> You'd be amazed, man. Those endorphins help out a lot, For a sure. lot, a lot. So yeah, my biggest advice is do what makes you happy. I guarantee that. If you're working, uh, let's say, as an insurance adjuster at State Farm and you hate your job and you're making 70 grand a year because you do a lot of cases, I'm 100% positive your quality of life is better making $45,000 doing what you love. Because you'll cut the shit you don't need mm -hmm. just in order to be able to do what you do like. That. Yeah, exactly. I think that's something that too many people don't really think about. They just see the big the dollar signs. Yeah. And they don't really focus on what's going to make them happy and make them fulfilled. I mean, definitely. And being self-aware, it's like you know, Gary V. I know you're a Gary V. fan. I am I'm, a Gary V. I'm a huge Gary. I'm a huge Gary, Gary v, v fan as well. Huge Gary V. And as a matter of fact, hold on before we yeah. drop that subject. Now keep going. <laughs> Are you going to pull out the shoes? Uh, I'm going to pull out the shirt. Oh, the shirt. Okay. I don't have the shoes on today. Oh, okay. But this is how big a Gary V. fan we are. <laughs> actually made these and sent them oh to him. Oh, my God. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Big Gary V fan. Thank you, Gary. Your your advice and your input has helped us tremendously these last two years. Shout out to you, my man. Thank you. He talks a lot about self-awareness, and I feel like a lot of people don't know where they should even start. Like, how did you know? Like, you knew from an early age that, you're, that you just loved art, right? I did. I did. 
Um, so a little background. My mother is blind, um, legally blind. She sees shadows and blurs. Uh, she's been that way since she was, I think, 19 or 20 years old. She has a, a rare disease where her optic nerve is detaching from her retina. Um, that stops progressing at a certain age. Um, my wife works with eyes, so I've been able to educate myself a little more on it. My uncle has the same disease. It's very rare, extremely rare. I think one out of every two million people have it, and my mom and her brother have it. Uh, it's a gene that each one of their parents carried that kind of counteract against each other. Um, so it, my mom and my dad got divorced when I was three, and I basically saw my dad every weekend. And he always he was a hard worker. I learned my work ethic from him. He had his own mechanic shop. He'd sweat bullets out there, and he'd work 15 hours a day, and he had it for years, and he's been a mobile mechanic for U-Haul for years. He's a supervisor there now, and I saw him do what he loved, and he had a very lucrative business for for a while until technology came in, and he had to use computers and didn't like it and ended up falling under. But um, So I had that example on his side, and on my mother's side, we were extremely poor. Uh, always had a roof over our head, always had food on the table, you know. I'm not going to say we lived out on the street, but, right. you know, we were on food stamps. My mom was on disability. Um, don't do this at home. I had to steal my first pair of Nikes. Uh, <laughs> I had to steal my first bike. Uh, you know, the, the shit that kids do that aren't well off, that don't have anything. Uh, yeah. I learned how to trade baseball cards at an early age. Okay. Um, another thing that I like about Gary so much is he's a he's a garbage collector. I like little collectibles too. Um, but I learned I learned that not having anything sucks, man. Not having anything sucks. Yeah. So since I had my kids so early, I think that was more of a driving force for me than anything was. I'm I'm 42 years old. Uh, Desiree turned 24 this year. Alex turns 22 in a couple of days. You know, and Dominic's 15. So I had to grow up really fast. Yeah. My, my case was a little bit different. You know, at, at that age, when you have kids at that age, one of two things happen. Either it, it falls under the cracks and people separate and it becomes just what it is. Or you kind of step up. And I love my dad. My dad's always been there for me when he had the ability to. Mm -hmm. um, but he wasn't around all the time because of the divorce. And then... For years, through my high school years, we my mom moved us away far away, so I didn't get to see him as much as often. So I, I think that psychologically embedded in my head, the minute I was a father, my life changed. Even if I didn't realize that, that at that moment, hmm. my life changed. That's my number one hat. You know, we wear different hats. I'm a brother, a father, mm -hmm. a son, a, an entrepreneur, a husband. But my first hat is a father. Like I, sure. I really do think that. I, in, in my heart, my kids come first. Everything else is second. And I mean everything. Even my wife. Like she'll come after them. Right. And then comes all the others. But there's a priority. You For know, sure. we don't we don't we don't these kids don't get the ability to just say, Hey, I wanna be born, let's just do this, you know. We bring them into this world. So yeah. it's it's been a real a real important thing for me to educate them and and I'm not the average parent like uh, I'm going to say something that, that might shock the world, but, you know, I think the school system's a joke. Um, it's completely necessary. These kids need basic, um, they do need basic knowledge. 
I think that every child should be focused on their strengths and not so much their weaknesses. It helps build character, it helps build self-esteem, it helps build self-awareness, and it helps gear that person towards what they're really going to do the rest of their life. Exactly. Because I don't use world geography for anything. Um, I don't use political science for anything. I don't, the, the majority of the working class person doesn't need 50% of the shit that they actually push into our brains. It's more of a systematic programming bullshit, I think, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like, for me personally, like, I never knew what I wanted to do when I grew up. I still kind of don't. Like, I'm still figuring it out, even at the ripe old age of 37. But I feel like... Yeah, but your life's not over next year. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, I still have a lot of time to, to grow and learn and figure it out. But I feel like in school, they don't really cultivate, like, what you're going to what you're good at, your strengths, as you said, and what you would enjoy doing. And, you know, a lot of people just are kind of aimless. You know, they kind of just look for a job that pays a lot of money, um, something that's not really going to make them happy in the long term. So I feel like it's it's important that we kind of hopefully one day maybe fix that, that system, but it's, it's not looking like it right now, you know? like I, I think the technological advances has, man, if you look at it, there has to be some sort of... Uh, and I'm not even get. I don't want to even get into politics mm-hmm. here because, uh, for my standing, everybody knows I'm pretty much a Republican as far as in general, um, and I think every business owner is, to be honest with you. Uh, but I also think if you're 21 years old and you're Republican, you're full of shit. At 19, 20, 21, you should be a Democrat. At that age, you should want to fix the world and fix all the problems of the world. And by the time you're about 35 you kind of shift over to Republican because you kind of see that a hundred having nothing but social programs, but doesn't work, but there's no more Republican and Democrat. It's just a bunch of assholes screaming at a bunch of assholes. I'm serious, man. <laughs> That's what it's become. For the most, so for a, for let's a leave, large portion of it. Yeah. Let's just leave the politics out for a yeah. minute. But no matter what side, there has to be some sort of hidden agenda to some, to, to most of what's going on in this world. We have such huge technological advances, and I'm talking about massive, massive technological advances. By the time the public gets something released to them, I'm sure it's been applied in some sort of NASA or military contract years ahead of time. Yeah, behind, behind the scenes. So why hasn't technology really hit the education? The, 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 whole, the, the whole industry of education, why hasn't technology really hit the educational industry. You mean like in terms of like teaching it? Or? I mean like in terms of having books that are outdated three years. Okay. If, if, yeah. if technology moves faster than I can buy it, mm-hmm. the kids in school are not learning what the fuck's going on. That's just plain and simple. If, techno- if I can't keep up monetarily with the way technology comes out, meaning every six months something moves out and I, can- and I can't monetarily keep up with buying the new shit, there's mm-hmm. no way the kids in school are learning everything that's going on. You know, I I think education's based on a past, on past experience. You know, that whole go to elementary school, go to middle school, go to high school, get good grades, go to college, get a high paying job in an office, sit in a cubicle, make 70 to 100 grand a year and go home. That was fed on us because that's what they needed. If you look at the 90s, when corporate America really started growing, that's what was needed. So it's a fad. That's what's programmed into the youth. The youth is our future, right? So uh, 
I'm 42. I look back and the last 20 years have flown by. So tomorrow when I blink and I'm 62, he's going to be 40-something and he's going to be in my position. His children, if he has any, will be in their 20s. So why are we not preparing these kids for what's coming up instead of for what's going on now? Yeah, you, you can kind of see how, how, how that's why I'm talking about technology has mm -hmm. failed education. I'm not saying the United States has a bad educational system. Everybody, everybody that I know from Cuba wants to say that. I don't think so. I, I think the United States has enough money to buy whatever education you need. Yeah, absolutely. It just becomes back to, and now we're going to go back to your home nucleus and being a parent and being a father. Um, I was never an AB student. Alex was never an AB student. And so my son Dominic's not an AB student. As a matter of fact, I was a DF student. Straight up. So was Alex. I recovered all my high school in the last two years, as did Alex. And it looks like Dominic's on the same on the same route. And I push him and I get mad at him and he has to do well in school. But I also teach him that that's not the only thing that exists. Yeah. You know, and if you want to be a garbage man, they make good fucking money. And mm -hmm. as long as you're the best motherfucking garbage man you can be. Exactly. You know, there's there's honor in good hard work. And it's okay. You don't have to be a doctor. I would like for my children to have extremely extravagant jobs so that I wouldn't have to worry about leaving anything behind. Mm -hmm. Or if I got into an accident that I would be leaving somebody, right. you know, without means to sustain their life. But we're here for a short amount of time. And after we're dead... We're irrelevant. Mm -hmm. So while you're here, you got to be happy. Everybody has a right to be happy. Everybody has a right to be selfish. Everybody has a right to put themselves in front of everybody else. Mm -hmm. So we're moving away. We've moved, we've moved away from that. Nobody wants to listen. Everybody just wants to tell you, do, 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 do. Right. Even in the schools, nobody wants to listen anymore. Well, that's my feeling on 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 entrepreneurship, you're born for it. You can't make an entrepreneur. You can't. You can show somebody how to run a business, yeah. and they might do it well, and they might be able to maintain it. But you can't tell somebody that has absolutely nothing, go and make something out of it, if that mindset, if their mindset isn't an entrepreneurial mindset. Right. I was born for this, dude. I really do think I was born for this. Yeah. The amount of attention and time I have to put into it is... Probably the only fight I ever have with my wife. I was born for this. Printer's Cove is my fourth child. It is its own thing. Yeah. It is not mine. It does not belong to me. It owns my ass. It does. I have to work for it. Oh. So if you're going to be an entrepreneur, like that's that's definitely the mindset you have to have. So where do you see the business in like 5, 10, 20 years? Like it's awesome that you have Alex here. You think you're gonna? Does he show like signs that he's gonna take it over, or what well, do you think? Uh, he's going to college. He's okay. still in college. Um, he has to go. Even if he does nothing with it, it doesn't matter. Society expects you to go, so that's the reason my kids have to go. Gotcha. It's not a uh, a mandatory <laughs> tough dad thing. Yeah. It's the rest of the world expects you to have a degree. I have no degrees. I I, I meet a lot of people with degrees that are really fucking stupid. <laughs> No, I'm I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. I I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I consider myself an intelligent person. And when you 
run into somebody who has eight years in a university, you expect somebody at an intellectual level way higher than yours. And I've met people who are just dumb as a sack of fucking rocks. Um, so Alex is going to school. He's uh, studying uh, marketing. You know, he's going to get his MBA. Uh, we're really focused on digital marketing. That's why you've seen our social media and our website grow yeah. the last couple of years. That's why you guys are watching the podcast. Um, we're pretty much taking whatever he learns in school and we're we're guinea pigging it. Um, we're focusing now. We have a couple of clients we're bidding and we're focusing focusing now is more of an agency kind of uh, vibe than, than just printing. We have a, a couple of people we've pitched to handle their social media and create content for them and do photography and videography similar to what we're doing and do interviews and episodes and uh, blog posts and that's kind of where I see us going more of a, a creative agency with printing capabilities so that I can control that in-house right so you'll be covered pretty much I'll everywhere be covered pretty much everywhere. yeah that's yeah. awesome that's yeah. awesome so what are your I think we kind of gone over like roadblocks but like what would you say is like your favorite part about being an entrepreneur besides being able to do what you want man I can do things the right way like that's a that's a that's a thing you know like that exists a lot of people don't really look at that mm. you know it's like let's get through today and see how much money we can make or let's get through this job and I, I like dissecting things a little more um, for example uh, the project we just finished uh, I don't want to put on any names because mm -hmm. it's not over yet but we got that project in and I'm able to sit down with Alex and we go over the project and we brief the project and we dissect it into sections and pieces and then I have clients now that have have grown to trust me. So instead of telling me this is what I want, they come to me and they say, this is what we're looking for. But if you have anything that can push it over the edge, let me know. And then I get to sit there after they've already thought it, dissect somebody else's work, keep the stuff that I think that's positive for that application, and then suggest what my views and my, my, my points are, something mm -hmm. that... I didn't have where I worked before. As much as I respected Mr. Lou Levin, um, it, it was very structured. It was a factory, you know. It was very cookie cutter. Uh, if a job had a scratch on it or whatever, there's no time to redo it. Hit it with a marker, stick it in a box, send it out. You know, here, if, if, if I have a problem, quality control with something, and it's in the shop before it leaves, I throw it away. I make sure my clients are taken care of. I treat them like family. I constantly communicate with them uh, if we have a hitch we're open with them it's just it's nice when you're allowed the time to do things correctly um, it takes 50% of the stress of being an entrepreneur away from you because then you don't have to and especially in the printing industry you don't have to remember the last lie you made up you don't have to uh, try to slide something by that's not that's subpar so you don't get caught and you finish getting paid and that's something that's very popular in this industry, extremely popular. I'd say maybe 10% of printing companies do things the way we do, you know, not many. Um, so yeah, man, I, I like doing things the right way. Um, all my guys have input. Everybody here has free range to give input at whatever time. If you think something can be done a better way, we're always open to listening to to the guys, I don't know everything. I'm not a I'm not a human encyclopedia. I don't pretend to be, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's good. It's good when you have when you can 
build a team that 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 no matter what you tell them all right this is the end result this is what i'm looking for and then you can take the time to do it the right way rushing is one of the things i've i've tend to stay away from and this industry is horrible with that you know so what are some what would you say are some things that people don't know about the printing business um that you'd like to share it's a lot harder than you think um <laughs> what comes up what shows on your monitor is not what comes out in prints um man color that's the biggest battle hmm. the biggest battle is color what i just said everybody sends me something oh it's the way it looked on my monitor you know <laughs> um making people happy is difficult kev Making people happy is difficult. So you try to educate as much as you can at the beginning of every job. And hey, yeah, look, I know you have this specific color you're looking to match, um, but you also have a job that's across seven different materials. You know, uh, everything has a different white point. Everything absorbs ink differently. Um, there's certain materials that I can't reach a certain color with, uh, not because I don't have the knowledge, just because some things are physically impossible. Um, you know, uh, it's like, I, I can't, I can't step on my head. So just some things are just physically impossible. Yeah. And we we're spoiled as, as a, as a society in the United States, we're spoiled because we have so much technology that we think everything's possible. Right. Um, we can get really close. I'd say we probably match about 88% of the time we can get pretty close, but it's, it's, that's probably the, the biggest battle. Is it didn't look like that on my monitor or um well i didn't know what i was asking for or so educating a client is is extremely important taking the time to educating them up front is extremely important that's awesome well i i think it's pretty much like most of the questions i had actually written down a bunch of questions um i covered i think all of them but um you know we can just kind of shoot the shit like where um where can people find you online um, like on your social oh, medias, um, your website, etc. So printerscope.com is our website. Uh, you can look at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr, or LinkedIn, all Printers Cove. Uh, all the handles are Printers Cove. Um, YouTube channel, Printers Cove. We're in the process now of uh, changing our podcast so that we can put it up on, uh, or changing the feed on our podcast so we can put it up on uh, iTunes and SoundCloud, Spotify. yeah, and Spotify. We're going to be branching off to that pretty soon. Um, other than that, uh, I have. We've been in the same place for fifteen years. We didn't have any any public exposure till about four years ago. We were strictly trade shop, so we might look fairly new to some people. Mm -hmm. But I've I've been in. Printer's Co. has been open for 15 years, and I've been in the industry for 18, 19 years. Wow. So, yeah, I've, I've got to learn a lot. I've got to learn. I've got to see the technology develop a lot. And when I started, I got to deal with the machines when they, f what the kind of equipment I have, when they first came out, which was, of course, nothing but headaches. Now <laughs> it's now it's, ex ex it's five billion times easier than what it was when I first started. Um but yeah, you know, just the social media is the biggest place. Instagram's probably our biggest photo portfolio, mm -hmm. uh, just because of the way Instagram is set up. You yeah, know, exactly. Um, LinkedIn has a large photo portfolio, also. Facebook, 
everything that goes goes through Facebook and LinkedIn also, but I think Instagram's probably the biggest the biggest uh, social media platform that we use. Our interaction through through uh, Instagram is threefold what it is through everywhere else. Even as far as quoting work and getting work, we, we generate a lot of business through Instagram. I was going to say, I was going to ask, um, since you've been on social media, like how has that impacted your your business? Has it made things uh, a lot 25 more Twenty-five to 30% or? of my business comes in through either oh, wow. the website or social media since we started. So it's a, it's a big shift. Wow. It's a big shift. And, and what's crazy about it is, um, since we were strictly wholesale for so many years, everybody in the industry knew me. Uh, the profit margins on my 30% retail client equal out my profit margins on my 70% wholesale business. So as machines became more and more easily available, because when I, before I used to have to pay, like I told you, my first piece of equipment cost me a hundred grand. My second piece of equipment cost me a quarter of a million dollars. <clears throat> but that quarter million dollar machine today, you could pick it up for about 130,000. You know, you could pick up an entry level piece of equipment for about 70, 80 grand. So with the equipment prices going down and the ease of, the ease of use going up, and let's be honest, you know, desktop publishing after it launched off, Adobe makes Photoshop better every year, makes Illustrator better every year. They make it more user-friendly every year. I've seen a, a, we saw a big increase in other printing companies opening up. We saw more, more of our wholesale clients that were buying and reselling our product going on and opening their own shop. So that's when we decided to switch over to the retail end. Um, our goal in the next two to three years is to be 75% retail, 25% wholesale. Cause I'll always have clients that I've had for a long time. Right. There's always wholesale business out there, but the but retail is definitely the way we're, the way we're heading. That's awesome. Yeah. Retail is definitely where we're heading. Awesome. Well, I think uh, that pretty much like wraps everything up. We can just shoot the shit for the well, next. All right, cool, cool. However long you want to for, you know, or right. whatever you need. Well, let's take a quick break. Let's get some water, and then yep. I'll throw the mats out. You brought your gi? Yeah, I brought my gi. All right, we'll roll a little. We'll videotape that, and we'll talk about jiu-jitsu a little more, and then we'll kill it. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, All right awesome. Let's do it.